Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, and welcome to episode 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 of the Now Mind You podcast, this being our combat episode, right? Uh, as per usual, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't watched these fights or you're, you're currently watching these fights, whatever have you, you do what you got to do. Come meet us over here when you're ready, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of our docket right for for this episode what we got boxing side we got benavidez versus lemieux right Mm -hmm. the battle of the davids we got true right uh we got ufc fight night home versus Vieira, right on that card what do we have at least main card wise we had anders well i'll say the full names eric your boy anders versus june young the iron turtle park right one of the best names man i hit him with the nicknames man uh pauliana viana I just tripped out on saying her name. That's a lot of Anna's in there. Versus uh, Tabatha or Tabitha, Baby Shark Ricci. Right? I'm pretty sure it's probably like Tabatha or something like that, right? Because she's presenting mm-hmm. Baby Shark Ricci. Uh, shout out Baby Shark. Then we got Chitty, Bang Bang, and Jokuani versus Dushko, Thunder, Todorovic. Excellent nicknames there. It's on some names sides. on this, on this listen, car, brother. It's listen, some names. Listen. <laughs> listen, the next was so crazy. <laughs> listen, <laughs> it only gets better, right? We got Santiago Ponzinibbio versus mm-hmm. Michelle Pejera. I guarantee you, you don't know how to spell Ponzinibbio. <laughs> I guarantee I, I you, you go get that shit wrong. I spelled it two or three different ways in my notes. Uh, then, yeah. I guarantee you, whoever you are out there hope. listening to this, if you try to spell this on your first try without cheating, I somebody bet you, holds a gun um, to your head, your family's dead, homie. They gone. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> then of course, we got Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vienna, right? Mm-hmm. Without further ado, Matt is going to take us into our David versus David boxing event. Right, right, right. So we had David Lemieux going against David Benavidez. Um, This fight was contested at middleweight. Um, This was for an interim WBC title. Um, Now, David Benavidez has been... So here's the interesting thing, right? Um, Because he has an interesting stat about him. He's undefeated, and he's 25 years old, and he's a two-time going on three-time WBC champion mm. in the same weight class having not lost. Mm. Now, I know that that doesn't make sense. How can he be, how can he have the same championship multiple times if he's never been beaten for it? Right. David's gotten into some trouble. <laughs> Let's he just say that. To vacate. And he has had to, he's been stripped, in fact, before. Ah. Um, he was stripped before nothing. Look, at the end of the day, he made his mistakes. He came back. He did what he was supposed to do. Got the belts. So currently the fight that he had last night uh, was against David Lemieux for the WBC interim super middleweight title. Now, David Lemieux is a guy who's, uh, I won't say a journeyman, but he's definitely been a figure within middleweight you know, for some time, but he's been around for a while. He's only 33, but he's like a, he's a veteran 33. You right. get what I'm saying? Like, right, he's right. been around, man. You know, this this guy isn't like a, he didn't jump into boxing, you know, late. Uh, 
so with that being said, we got David Lemieux, 33 years old from Canada versus David Benavidez, 25 years old from Phoenix, Arizona. Now, David Benavidez has been on fire, if I can just call it what it is. Um, he and his brother are both professional fighters. Last night, um, David Benavidez looked to improve his undefeated record that matched his age, 25 and 0. Mm-hmm. He looked to put that up against David Lemieux, who has a pretty strong, like I would say really, really strong uh, veteran record coming into this of 43 and 4. Um, he is not taking a lot of losses and he didn't really get anything serious until a few years ago. And I wouldn't necessarily call it like a really serious loss. Um, He did take a very bad TKO back in 2015 to Triple G, but Mm. that was kind of during like Triple G streak where he went on like, like a 17 fight in a row, like KO streak. And unfortunately, you know, he was a stop on that, on the train for that streak. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had a decision loss he got against Billy Joe Saunders, which uh, if I'm going to call it really what it was, and this was his last loss, which was back in 2017. But if I'm just going to call a spade a spade, man, it was just a a horrible style matchup for him. Mm. Um, He lost the fight undeniably. You know, it was definitely a uh, uh, that unanimous decision was earned uh, on the right of on the side of Billy Joe Saunders. But like I said, it was a stylistic matchup nightmare. You know what I'm saying? It was just, he didn't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And Billy Joe Saunders, if you know anything about him, is an incredibly mobile guy. And that the level of mobility he had and counterpunching and stuff, it just, it wasn't his night. But mm-hmm. since then, he has rattled off <laughs> five fights in a row for capping off his last one. Uh, his last two, in fact, he walked away with TKO and KO victories back to back. So it was a pretty good setup putting him in this position. And this was a good way to give uh, David Lemieux an opportunity to get back in the title picture. You know, um, he dropped the WBO title or at least he lost the opportunity to get the WBO title when he had lost back in 2017. So. You know, it literally had taken this long to get back to a title shot since 2017. You know, um, he had a pretty good fight with uh, with Spike O'Sullivan, a.k.a. Gary O'Sullivan, back in like 2018, where he's put him down. And then dealing with injuries and just personal life things, you know, he pretty much didn't fight for about a year, a little bit over a year, really. We only saw him once in 2019, and then we only saw him once again in 2020. So this was, uh, and we only saw him once in 2021. He won all of those fights, to be fair, but, you know, he just wasn't as active as he had been just due to life and things like that. So right. he came into this fight, uh, he walked into this about 43 and four, looking to put that up against David Benavidez as 25 and 0. And spoiler ahead, in case you didn't see the fight, you didn't see the highlights. <laughs> TJ loves when I say this and I, you know, and I'll say it again. They don't get paid by the hour. No, they do and, not. David Benavidez, he had somewhere to be last night. Um, right away, right away. And to be fair, to be fair, and this is all respect to David Lemieux and everything. These are, you know, all of these guys are professionals. They've achieved at levels that I haven't gotten to yet. But I'm speaking from an objective standpoint and speaking from a fan's perspective. Like, David Lemieux was the underdog coming into this fight. And even... Considering everything, I wasn't expecting the performance that we got out of David Benavidez. Um, At the conclusion of the very first round, 
the referee was in David Lemieux's corner and told him he needed to see something or he was going to stop the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got a chance to share a clip of uh, a clip of the bout with TJ and, you know, he can back me up. Like that was the first round TJ. That yeah. was, the, that was how the first round ended. Yeah. Like he, it was, it looked like he was just spamming the punch button. Like that's all he was doing. It was just like a kid hitting the controller and right. everything he was damn near everything he was throwing was landing. Um, David Benavidez at the, I would say probably about the last 20 seconds, about the last 20 seconds of the first round, just let his hands go for like 20 seconds, nonstop and rapidly. Um, he lands a, a huge counter hook on David Lemieux that wobbles him and stumbles him back to the ropes. And then he just lets his hands go. Pretty much the story of the first round was, Anything he did, he was punished for. You know, if he if he took a step, he was punched. If he attempted to counter, he was countered. If he you took know, a breath, <laughs> like, he was punched. Basically, yeah. And it, it just seemed like you know, for any of my any of my for real any of my uh, fighting game fans out there, if you listen, and like he was just like he was input reading, man. Everything he did, there was an answer for, and. You know, that was just round one. And round two, he put David Lemieux down twice um, with a straight right hand, another time with a hook. And all throughout the the second round, he started busting him up. I mean, there was a period in the second round when David Lemieux's entire face was covered in blood and it was his own blood. Mm. Um, And ultimately in the third round, the fight was stopped. David Lemieux was just just getting hit. And on the, the outskirts and kind of on the outsides, like if you're watching as a fan, when the stoppage happened, it seemed like a bad, not a bad stoppage, because it seemed like they were going to stop the fight at any given moment in that third round. Because the question, even from the commentary team going into the third round, was if David Lemieux's corner was going to let him come out for the third. Right. Um, that's just how badly, you know, David Benavidez was, was uh, you know, applying himself really to, to David Lemieux. And... It turned out actually that his corner, his team got up on the apron and they called it like they just weren't going to allow him to take any damage. It just seemed like it was, um, you got it was insurmountable. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. Your job yeah. in the corner is to keep the fighter safe. It was the, the damage that he was taking and just the one sidedness of the bout in total was just, it was very insurmountable. So I think that they, they made the right choice in, in calling it. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was pretty much the conclusion of that fight. David <laughs> has moved on now to 25 and, oh, 26 and 0. He came from 25 and 0. Um, this is another TKO victory for him. This is his third in a row, and it is his 23rd stoppage victory out of his 26 fights. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's looking to possibly fight you know, again, before the end of this year, I would love to see him fight one of the Charlo brothers. Um, obviously, the Canelo fight is out there. People have talked about that fight a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Canelo is like tied up with Bivol business right now. So I don't yeah. realistically see that coming down the pipeline, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, man, that was pretty much David Benavidez and David Lemieux. Um, and as far as next week is concerned, I might as well just handle that now if you don't mind, TJ. Do you what um, you gotta do, bro. As far as next week is concerned, I will be covering Javante Davis and Ronaldo Romero. Tank um, versus Romero. Okay. 
Yeah, that's going to be Tank versus Romero. That's happening next week. Uh, it's going to be a 12-round bout for the WBA regular title. And I will also be covering the co-main of that card, which is Iris Landy Lara versus Gary O'Sullivan in another 12-round bout that's also for a WBA title. This one mm-hmm. is the middleweight title. So mm-hmm. the lightweight and middleweight straps are both up for grabs next week. I will be watching both of those fights, and I'll be covering those. And with that, we're going to jump over into the UFC fight night with home versus Fajera. Um, I did not get to see all the fights. I saw the main event, co-main event, and the fight that preceded that. TJ was able to catch more of the card. So with that said, TJ, would you like to lead us into the coverage of fight night home versus Fajera? Sure thing, Matt. Let me just put on my broadcaster voice. That's right. Uh, starting off with Eric Anders versus June Young Park. I'm not going to talk like this, but I was uh, down if you was committed. <laughs> no, bro. Like, oh, no, man, my voice ain't that strong. But listen, uh, we start off with Eric, your boy Anders, which Matt, I agree. That is a fire name. It's so fire, bro. It's so fire. He's so tight just for coming up with it. And then June Young, the Iron Turtle part, which I'm not mad at that nickname. I'm not either. mad at Iron Turtle either. You know what I'm saying? Um, but listen. nothing beats hearing Bruce Buffer call him Eric, your boy, Eric Anders. <laughs> right. Like that's your boy. That's like. Just, yeah. Like, I mean, if that doesn't get you hype, I, as a, as a, as a spectator, I'd be hyped hearing that. Yeah. I can't imagine if you're the fighter in the ring hearing somebody call it your name. It's like, boy, you get juiced. Uh, listen. Middle class, uh, I should say middleweight bout, right? Uh, we got Eric Anders, uh, 35 years old, fighting out of the USA, hella represent Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, made his UFC debut in July of 2017, fighting style, pure MMA, right? So we're looking at somebody who's well-rounded. And to be fair, he put those well-rounded skills on display in this fight. Last three took an L to Muniz by submission in uh, December of 21, took a dub by unanimous decision to Stewart. This was their second confrontation because, and this was uh, in June of 21, right? But uh, their first confrontation ended in a no contest, could not continue situation back in March of 2021, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could say he won, you know, one out of his last two, two with an asterisk because, you know, it was him seeing Stewart the second time. Now, Park Junyong, right, 31, coming out of South Korea, made his UFC debut in August of 2019, fighting style, boxing. So like Andre Fialiu, we're seeing another person who's showing up as a, a single style specialist, which, you know, is getting rarer uh, as yeah, the days man. go forward, right? Uh, last three fights for Park Junyong, right? And this is a dude who like, you know, he shows up ready to fight every single time. You go against Park Junyong, he's going to want to fight you. Right. He's not he's not playing the points game. It's like my man just wants to fight. Right. Uh, he went against, I believe it was a like Gregory Rodriguez. Right. He took the L2 uh, via KOTKO. Right. And mm-hmm. I believe it was October 2021. Excuse me. Right. Got the dub against Nchukwi in December of 2021 by decision. Got a dub against Phillips by decision in October of 2020. Right. So getting into this fight the last time these guys both fought was around similar timelines uh in like late 2021 right Mm -hmm. so basically the story of this fight uh you're seeing 
already inside of the ring. Anders is physically much bigger. Like I believe Anders is like six one, and Jun Yong is like about five ten. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a, a difference in height and reach, but like you look at them in the ring, like you know Park Jun Yong, that dude is fit. He's not. He's not a slouch, but like Anders just looks massive. Like you could tell this dude was a former linebacker for the University of Alabama, or I believe it was Alabama State or something like that. Like, you tell this dude, like, play football. Like, homie was, like, just massive in there. Um, but the round starts. Anders is already with the pressure, gets a flurry, and starts wrestling off the cage, meaning we're seeing a lot of clinch fighting, so on and so forth. Jun Young is implementing a strategy where he basically puts Anders in a headlock, not necessarily fishing for a guillotine, but it's more of a... I wouldn't even necessarily call it a stall strategy. Although, you know, if you did call it that, I wouldn't, I, I would understand, right? Because he's putting a lot of weight on Anders's head, right? So he's making Anders carry him, meanwhile, stalling any attempts at any type of takedown, right? So it's honestly a very sound strategy. And it honestly ended up becoming the story of this fight. Like Anders would get a flurry going, right? And actually, I gotta give Anders his props because, like I said, He's coming at it from an MMA perspective, and we saw a lot of MMA stuff happening on his part, right? Like, mm. there was jujitsu he was displaying. There was level changes, good blending of the strikes with the wrestling shots, right? Good clinch work off of the cage. But Park Junyong and his team, man, they did their homework. They knew what to look for in terms of Anders' abilities, right? They knew that this dude was going to try to take it to the ground in some way, shape, or form and get him to the fence, right? And for what it's worth, it's like Anders, man, like with his hands, like I was surprised Junyong didn't get knocked out a few times. But here's the thing about Junyong that we can't forget. Iron Turtle for one, so he's got a chin. But for two, his style is boxing. This guy's got a boxing pedigree. And like there were so many instances where you saw like, yeah, Anders may have been hitting, but he wasn't hitting clean. He was catching like maybe a shoulder right? He was glancing blows off like maybe the side of Jun Yong's face. It's like Jun Yong actually was getting a like, I want to say he was the one getting ahead in a lot of these hand exchanges, really. He was cracking Anders a few times. And that was, again, kudos to Anders' chin. Um, But, you know, in terms of what I thought, round one and round two were interesting. Also, fun fact for this fight, there were so many accidental groin strikes that the referee had to pull these guys to the side. This happened in round two, because like uh, Jun Young accidentally hit Anders in the groin twice with the knee, like during the off the fence wrestling, right? right. It happens. Like, in that happens, like yeah. that, that's it, more it's common, common and it's, it's easy. Exactly. Easier to do than you would think. Exactly, right? But my guy, round two, I, I don't know if it was out of spite or some type of vengeance, but the roles got reversed, and this time, Anders hit Park with a knee off the clinch. But, Matt, when I tell you, you heard it, Mm-mm. and Jun Yong collapsed, like... TKO victory. The way I visualize a bad groin, groin hit, a bad nut shot, is like... You just cut to whatever timeline the kids are in, and it's like Thanos just snapped his fingers. Like, this is like <laughs> it's like an X-ray move in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, like just like Jesus. 
that timeline is gone, Playboy. The nuts is gone. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat X-Men style. <laughs> but yeah, it was bad enough to where the ref gave him like, if he wanted to, like up to five minutes to recover. Uh, he didn't take it because, you know, fighters, that fighter mentality is like, you're not going to try to look that. Like, it, it's like, there's something about, you don't want to look like you're taking advantage too much. Even if you might be in like legit pain and you might not be fully recovered, like, that fighter mentality isn't going to let you take too much of a break so that your opponent thinks like you're really taking advantage of this. You also got to remember that. that time that you resting, your opponent They're resting, is resting too. too. They're resting too. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily benefit you, especially if they may have been ahead in terms of the exchange. It's like, are you sure you want to deal with that again at full power now? Um, but needless to say, like that was the round. So it's like the first two rounds, honestly, uh, for the first round, it was close. I wouldn't be surprised if judges gave that to Anders, right? The second round, I would definitely give to Anders because he dominated a lot. Like, he even got a few takedowns in there. Um, and, of course, like, after the bad corn strikes, the ref was threatening to deduct points, so that kind of killed that whole thing. Or at least if they got hit in the groin, they didn't They didn't make any, you know, they didn't make anything out of it. They're like, yeah, we don't want to lose points. Now, round three, though, was a little bit different. Park came out. He was letting his hand combinations go, dude. Like, he caught Anders with a big, big right hand. Like, mad aggression coming out of him. And I think he actually wobbled Anders on that one. Uh, he's like, Anders is, 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 is at the point where he's not necessarily using his wrestling shots, like the single leg entries, to even go for a takedown. It's really just to get Park to the cage and to kind of stall. But at the same time, it has the effect of giving Park more things to worry about. Because it's like, you know, if you're boxing and someone shoots in on you and now you know that they have that potential, it's like you're going to be more cautious, like how you approach it. Right. So it kind of mm-hmm. slows the game plan down a little bit. But Park is low key winning the punch exchanges, man. It's like the same patterns. Like Anders tries to go for the shot. He might mix it up, you know, throw some shot, throw some punches to the head, throw some punches to the body and boom, level change. You know, we're back at the we're back at the fence again. But you know, there was a lot of energy from Park. It was like straight up swinging and banging. And this is what I thought. This is literally in my notes. Round three could go to Park, but it's 2-1 for Anders. Well, the judges disagreed with me because they said that Park won by split decision. Mm. Um, Maybe it was due to the amount of, like, just the numbers at the end of the day, right? Because maybe Park did throw, like, way more significant strikes. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not a judge. I thought it was hella competitive. Don't get me wrong. I did not say that this fight was a snoozer because I was like actually all in. Um, it was just, yeah, the outcome is what it is, man. I, I got none of that. It was a dope fight to watch, but uh, congratulations to Junior on Park. Uh, for our boy, your boy, Eric Anders, like this is definitely not the end. I mean, he won like one out of his last two. He's not, I don't think he's about to get cut or anything like that. He should be all right, man. He'll he's a super popular guy too. 100%. Exactly, exactly, right? Shout out to his hairstyle. I think Dean Thomas said he looked like Elder Barge. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, uh, DC was joking about how it looked like he had some activator in it, <laughs> you know? But uh, no, nah, it was definitely an entertaining fight. It was a great fight. Yeah. The next one we had on our roster, do, uh, which... Wait, you said you caught the last three, right, Matt? So I believe you were able to catch uh, Chitty and then uh, Todorovic then on down, right? Correct? Yep. Okay, so I got us on this one. All right, so the next fight on our on our docket, right, in terms of the fight night was Pollyanna Viana 
versus Tabatha, Tabatha Ricci, right? Uh, this was about in the woman's straw weight class. Now let, let me give a little bit of background. I'm not gonna go as in depth as Matt, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give you guys what I was able to glean from my research, right? So we got Brazil on Brazil. Viana and Ricci, both Brazilians, right? Uh, Viana is 29 and you might actually recognize her from a video that went viral like a few years ago of her stopping a mugger in the street. I remember oh, that catching was this video. My, yeah, that was her, dude. I was like, wait, what? Um, but that was her. And uh, like using her jujitsu to stop a mugger, which is like crazy, right? But she made her UFC debut in February of 2018. And obviously her fighting style is jujitsu. The last two when she got back-to-back -back were armbar submissions, right? She got one against Martin in February of 2021. She got another one against uh, Whitmire, Whitmer, uh, mm -hmm. in August of 2020, right? When she was up against Macedo, she took an L by submission. It's what it is. It happens. But she won two out of her last three, right? Before the outcome of this fight. That's not here that I'll get to it, right? Then uh, Ricci, Ricci, 27, same thing, known as a baby shark, made her UFC debut in June of 2021, fighting style judo, which, you know, uh, judo could be considered an ancestor of jujitsu. Like, don't forget, judo isn't all throws. Judo's got some submissions, too, I believe. Uh, is it Kozen? Kozen judo, right, mm -hmm. is the ancestor of jujitsu that actually has a lot of the submissions you see today already pre-programmed in there but uh last three oh wow i don't know last two fights oh that's right because she she was a uh, recent but she only had two fights on her record up to this point this was her third fight in the ufc right uh she got the w against Oliveira in a unanimous decision in october of 2021 but she took an l in her debut right against fioro by tko and that was in june of 2021 right Let's get into this. So round one, uh, Viana is significantly taller than Ricci. Like you look at the fight and you think Viana might be too tall for this division. Before Ricci can even complete the takedown, because like Ricci went in like already with the aggression, like she knew what it was going to have to be. She had to take her down. Viana is already on Ricci's neck. So it's like Ricci went for the takedown, you know, typical single leg, double leg entry, right? Viana already has the chin strap wrapped around uh, uh, Ricci's neck, right? So it's like, you think it's going to be a guillotine and she's going to hop in the guard. Ricci takes it to the ground, but then Viana's already switching to an armbar. Like, please don't misunderstand. Like, Viana's jiu-jitsu is very, very good. And again, like I said, her style is jiu-jitsu. She's, she's gone viral for a video of her stopping a mugger with jiu-jitsu, right? Um, listen. Ricci managed to stand back up and escape certain death, but Viana stays on the ground and tries to tempt Ricci to come take a swim. You know what I mean? Um, meantime, though, Ricci is basically just like kind of staying a little active and kicking those legs, man. Because I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, yeah, you don't you want to get the fight back to standing, but it's like you don't want to just like stand there and wait for them to get back up. It's like, all right, if they're gonna stay there, might as well damage their legs. But yeah. one thing that we had to watch out for, like Viana is using quite a few up kicks. For one, we know how powerful up kicks can be for knocking people out, especially when you're on the bottom, right? For two, she's not just throwing up kicks, she's throwing them at Ricci's knees. Like, enough to kind of disrupt the rhythm a little bit. But Ricci is strong, man. Uh, the guillotine was a deterrent, but like, 
Richie didn't hesitate. She went right back into Viano's garden when they got stood up. They ended up getting uh, stood up by the referee. And it was a situation where it's like, I thought, in all honesty, that this was like a very dangerous battle for Richie. I mean, yes, you got judo experience, but, you know, if you're going to play with a jiu-jitsu player and you're going to play with them on the ground, like, that's just risky, right? Like, why why do that? But uh, it looked like, you know, it was what it was. Uh, Viana has no qualms about fighting from her back. But at the end of the day, toward the end of this round, I could see it going toward Richie, right? Mm-hmm. Round two, what's going down? Richie is there to throw hands, like throw hands, like like not even mess around. It's like, listen, I don't care about your jujitsu. You're going to get this work. Uh, but Viana had her moments too. And like straight up, there was a point in the fight where I was, I even typed in like, Viana saying, I'm not just jujitsu, right? But we get a big ass takedown from Richie. Same scenario as round one, where it's like Richie just dealing with Viana's jujitsu. But this time, Richie does her work her way into the garden in the sense that she doesn't just like pull back, you know what I'm saying? Stay standing away for the referee to stand uh, Viana up. She's like, all right, I'm gonna handle this guard. But again, this is a dangerous position. They eventually get back up to the feet, but Richie transitions into a big ass double leg um, with a very smart setup, right? Throwing mm-hmm. the punches and changing levels. Kind of similar to what we saw from your boy uh, in the last fight where he's like, he's constantly changing levels after throwing his strikes, right? That was pretty much the story of like round two. Round three, it was one of those situations where it's like, you could have taken a frame from every round and it would have been the same story. Um, but it's like, yeah, this time you just see Viana kind of countering any attempts that Ricci may have to get past Viana's guard. But like, it's just what it was. At the end of the day, uh, Ricci got that dub, man. She got that mm-hmm. dub. It's just what it was. Like, that was the fight. It was a it was a dope fight to watch, but it's like, I can't help but wonder what was going on in Viana's head, like how she prepped for the fight, but it, it's just what it is, man. Congratulations to Ricci and Viana. Like, you're, you're young in your career. Same thing. You'll bounce back. You'll bounce back. You, I mean, up to this point, you know, she had two back-to-back wins. She took it now. It's not the end of her story at the end yeah. of the day. You know what I mean? Uh, with that being said, bro, you want to take us into Chitty Bang Bang versus Man. Thunder? Dusko Thunder? All, so we get, first of all, we get two guys, interesting regular names, but pretty good, like, nicknames to go with their names. So we get Chitty Bang Bang and Jokuwani mm-hmm. versus Dusko Thunder Todorovic. Mm-hmm. Todorovic, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this fight only lasted one round, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm just going to be completely honest. Um, just going to give a little bit of background on both guys real quick. So we get Chidi, who actually has a kickboxing background, a pretty deep kickboxing background. Not super long, but it was definitely what he was doing first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to matter once we shuffle over into the fight. Um, but he has kickboxing and Muay Thai experience. He's even um, spent a little bit of time with Bellator as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one fight outside of Bellator. Then he got on the contender series. And then from there, he's gone into the UFC. Uh, his fight on the contender series was longer than his two UFC fights have been. Mm-hmm. Um Previous fight that he had was in February of this year, which only took him 16 seconds to collect that victory. So obviously he was looking for a turnaround and he came back in May. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side, we have Dusko Thunder Todorovic, um, a Serbian mixed martial artist. And he- Coming out of Montenegro. Yeah, coming out of Montenegro. And just to point out something that's very interesting, if you look into his background, is um, the fight that got him to the contender series. He actually fought Michel Pijera and he TKO'd him in the first round. Mm. And that was to win the SBC middleweight championship, which was Serbian battle championship, you know, another promotion outside of UFC. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, he got the contender series. And then he made his UFC debut in October of 2020. And pretty much from there, he's kind of had a mixed bag of success. Uh, He's only won, you know, he's pretty much been 50-50 of his four fights leading up to this fight. He won two, lost two. Mm. So, you know, this really, now I won't say could have went either way, but I mean, realistically, it's a fight. It really could have went either way. Yeah. And it didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had a little, we had a decent amount of action coming out in the beginning. Um, both guys seemingly seemed pretty even. Um, I felt though, I felt as though you could tell that there was a strength difference between Chitty and uh, Dusko, mm-hmm. but not enough that it was like, you know, that Dusko seemed as though he didn't want to engage. It was just clear that there was a strength difference just in terms of how um, the two guys reacted to punches and reacted to strikes. And one thing they noted a little bit as well um, on the commentary team and on the broadcast is that you don't want to deal with Chitty in a clinch. That's where he typically can do a lot more of his damage. Um, uh-huh. And that's kind of also what you would suggest to anybody in MMA when you're fighting somebody that has a Muay Thai or kickboxing background. Muay Thai, I would say more so than kickboxing because so much more work is done. Um, so much more work is done within that, that realm of the fight, you know? And I mean, like I said, when I say this guy's had a Muay Thai background, he's fought some names. This guy has fought Joe Schilling, Raymond Daniels, Lyman Good. He's fought Simon Marcus. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is a guy who's fought some guys on both ends. So he was able to utilize some of that going into this fight. And within the last, what was it, TJ, like 15 seconds? Basically. They were in a clinch, and Dusko was breaking out of the clinch. And on the break, Chitty hit him with an elbow. And as he was pushing off, the elbow went perfectly clean across the temple and Chitty just walked off. So it was a walk-off KO for uh, Chitty Bang and Joe Kawani. Um, you know, he even said in his post-fight, like, you know, you guys can keep those fighters of the night bonuses. Like, I'll keep taking performance of the night. Like, I have no interest in a long <laughs> bout. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. Good. God bless them. I feel them. If you don't got to, I get it. Right. Um, and I mean, this isn't you know, this isn't a foreign thing to him. You know, um, a lot, he has a lot of victories with some quick finishes, you know, whether it was a TKO or submission, if you just look back, you know, through his history. I mean, and the guy, Chitty has kind of secretly been a little bit around the block. Like, you know, he's got some names on his resume, just of people he's fought, even outside of the UFC or people within the UFC. You know, outside of the UFC, he's fought, uh, let's see, what's a good name? Alan Joban, mm. um, Max Griffin, and Andre Fialio. He fought in. Um, he fought him outside of the UFC. He's fought Melvin Gallard, Andre Korshkov. 
you know, he's got some names. So, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously, speedy recovery to Dusko Todorovic, who I believe was able to stand before they left, uh, before they both were able to uh, exit the cage. And, um, you know, congratulations to Chitty. So, hopefully, we'll see him again soon in another fight. Uh, you know, it's a quick turnaround again. So, let's see it. Yep. Um, TJ, do you have any thoughts, anything you want to add to? I got to nothing to add, man. Fight? You covered it all, bro. That elbow was disgusting. Turned yeah, Todorovic into a ragdoll. Um, but I got nothing to add, man. Let's go on to the next one. All right. Well, the next one we got is... Your boys... Ponzinibbio and Pajeda. We got Michelle Pajeda and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Oh, boy. Like Argentina versus Brazil, and we're not talking soccer. And we ain't talking soccer. And I'm going to be real. Like, this this fight, to me, is a fight that I thought could have, like, been the main headline. It could have yeah. it could have headlined anything. Yeah. I, it, it, was a, it was an incredibly strong co-main event. Um now, and I mean, in a in a card where I feel like, I mean, I've only I only saw three of the five main main card fights, but TJ, I'm sure you could back me. Like the card, you know, it was worth the time. It was worth yeah. the time. It was on TV for sure. It delivered. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but I'm a big fan of both of these guys, so I was just excited the minute that panels put to paper and they um they announced this fight. So on one end we got Santiago Ponzinibbio from Argentina. 35 years old, uh, currently fighting in the welterweight division. He's an ATT guy. He's been in the UFC a little bit of time now. I've been there since 2013. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of had some ups and downs, but he had a really had a good run, real good run um, that he was doing in the UFC where he was just TKOing and KOing whoever they put in front of him at welterweight, picked up a few performance of the nights, you know, got more than a few TKOs. And then he had some near career ending injuries that were like, he had like blood infections and all type of stuff, man. He just had a lot of, a lot of really bad luck that took him out. Mm. Um, Kind of, I felt right in the middle of what was his run. I thought he was going on, you know, at least at that time, that was how I felt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So up until 2018, he was moving and then, in 2018, we didn't see him again until 2021. Unfortunately, it was in a, a losing effort against Lee Jiang Lang. And then he came back again in 2021, picked up a victory. And then he lost a really close split decision to Jeff Neal back in December of last year. So he was looking to get back on the horse here, get back in the win column. And on the other side, we have the incredibly entertaining Michelle Pajeda, who's 28 years old. And he also shares a birthday with me. So shout out to this guy, double shout time. <sighs> um, <clears throat> yeah, we have Michelle Pijera, the Brazilian mixed martial artist who apparently was a blacksmith uh, up until recently. So I, they mentioned that, on that the was a fun fact. I yeah, that was, I thought that was so crazy that that, was that could explain his was. heavy ass hands. Uh, it would 100 percent explain listen. that. Um, but we're going to get to it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just giving some background. Well, I'm mm-hmm. going I'm to I'm cut you loose. No, no, take your time, brother. We got um yeah, we got Michelle Pijera, 28 years old, uh coming to us from Brazil. This is a guy who like came into the UFC right away and made a splash just for being incredibly entertaining. Um making his debut in the UFC back in 2019. He had a little bit of a mixed bag of uh success at least 
in terms of his wins and losses coming directly in. Um, mm-hmm. He came in, won his first one, lost his second one. Then he had like a, a weird DQ loss to Diego Sanchez. It was like, it was really weird. And then after that, he's just been on a run and he pretty much had won three, uh, not three, four straight in a row, taking out Andre Fialio, Nico Price, Chaos Williams, and Zalem Imadiev. So, these are all like, I mean, he picked up a fight of the night for that first, for the last one, getting a real naked choke. And this is a guy who's like, and if you've ever seen any of videos of a guy doing a backflip on people, running and jumping off of the cage, you know, he's just known for doing extremely athletic, super entertaining, but like just crazy stuff when he's in the rings, like outrageously athletic. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? When you just... When you see how he fights, you see how he moves and everything. But he's a guy who moves around a lot, bounces on his feet, and really can counter you, really can catch you, you know, if you aren't paying attention. And on the other side with Santiago Ponzinibbio, you got a hammer. Yeah. You know, the he's I mean, he's called the Argentinian dagger. So yeah, you know, that I think that kind of tells you what you need to know. Right. And uh all I'm going to say on this, and I'm TJ, I'm going to let you take over everything else. But all I'm going to say is let them boys bang. They fought three rounds. And I mean, neither guy came out of that fight the way they walked into it. That's all I'm going to say. TJ, you can take it from there. Uh, Dude, like the round, the first round starts off with an accidental eye poke. Uh, from Ponzinibbio, right? It happens. Pay, like, and it was it in the middle in the middle of a combination as well. Right. It, was like, right. it looked like he was probably trying to counter him or stop him. Right. You know, like like you said, it happens. But it's like, I, I want to say Ponzinibbio was more of the slow starter, right? Pajeda mm-hmm. was definitely all about his lateral footwork from the jump. Like, that's that's one of his signature moves. And I want to say just to, to, to add on in terms of the context, it's like, Last time I saw Pajeda was him versus Fialio, right? And he he handled Fialio, right? Um, this time it's like he gets more and more technical. Um, and I mean this like sincerely, like he was technical in this fight. It wasn't Pajeda throwing like everything in the kitchen sink at Ponzinibbio. If anyone was throwing like heavy, heavy hands and like just kind of like trying to throw everything he had into every single strike. It was Ponzinibbio. Now, this was in the first round. It's like, but it looked like Pajeda was taking a more measured, smart approach, right? When he had the opportunity to make those shots count, listen, dude, there was a hook that I saw Pajeda throw that just barely missed Ponzinibbio. And I was like, that could have been it. If anything, like uh, watching this fight, in my head, I had one question. Like, why doesn't Pajeda have more finishes? Because the dude... Like, Matt, you saw what he was hitting Ponzinibbio with. Ponzinibbio was made out of steel, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. But it's like, I was like, why doesn't Pajeda have more finishes on his record, or at least in his recent records? I was like, yo, like Mm -hmm. all his fights, he's throwing bombs at motherfuckers. And they're just like, okay. (laughs) I'm just like, if I I could offer my opinions, because he don't sit down on the shots. I, okay. If he sat, if he just sat down on some of those strikes, I think he would knock a lot more of these guys out. Because I'm and just I, like, and that's not me them? saying that what he's doing is wrong. He's just yeah, no, he's winning at the end of the style. day. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just he's fighting winning a more at mobile the end. style, so he's not he's not taking that extra second 
to right, sit to truly and just land that big shot. Right, right. Because like, I mean, but you also see on the other side of that, like, I want to say it was like the back end of the second round, or it might even been that first round, like when Pell was backed up on the cage, Ponzinibbio threw like this big ass hook. Yeah. And he dodged it by like a hair. Yeah. But you saw the difference in the heat that was on that hook versus right, right. the other way because Ponzinibbio sat there. He like glued his feet to the floor and just let that hook rip. Right. But continue. But um, yeah, no, that was like round one and round two had somewhat similar stories, right? Um like they're old. Speaking of barely missed, there was that one time where, like, I think Pejeda reached out for Ponzinibbio's head, and Ponzinibbio just barely missed a what could have been a massive, like, life-altering knee <laughs> from Pejeda. Um, but it's like, yeah, I, this whole fight, I was just seeing less wild Pejeda and just more technical Pejeda. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just like nice exchanges. Ponzinibbio did score a takedown in round two, by the way, actually, which is like, dang, I didn't see that coming. Um, but dude, round three, different story. Big head kick and a massive right hand from Pejeda to open up that final round. Good defense from both. They're like using head movement, but at some point, these gentlemen just came to an agreement. It's like, bro, we both know what we're known for. Let's swing and bang. Um, mm-hmm. and let me tell you something. Ponzinibbio was coming out on top on a lot of those exchanges. Holy shit. Like, Obviously, uh, Pejeda got the win by split decision, but man, when I tell you that these men were fighting, fighting, these men were fighting, fighting. They knew they knew what they were there for. Yeah, yeah. And you can make the argument that they weren't getting paid by the hour because the energy levels they were maintaining, it's like, it was on some one of us has got to go. Um, but I respect you. However, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Any other thoughts, man? That was that that might have saved the card, uh, other than uh Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, man. Um, I just thought, yeah, I, I honestly I just thought it was a great fight. I was excited by it. These dudes, they they fought to the bell, they fought bell to bell, man. Seriously. Um, they entertained for sure. You know, if you were a person that was in attendance, God bless you. You know, you definitely got your money's worth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Shit, we even, you know, we got a, a faint flying knee, we got all type of shit, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the unpredictability with uh, Michelle Pijera is just is also one of the big uh, factors, one of the major things you deal with when you deal with a guy like a, a Let's Michelle Let's just start Pijera. calling him explosiveness. Michelle explosiveness Pijera. Man, like, yeah. He that's that's what he that's what he known for, man. And now he's using that to his advantage tactically, right? Because like mm-hmm. you said, he threw the fake flying knee and like just to get a reaction, you know what I'm saying? So it's like and then let's not forget, was it against Fialiu where he threw that flying knee and did a, uh, a, 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 he changed direction in midair connected to nothing? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm getting too hyped. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, good Well, fight. it was the time that the other guy slapped him at the press conference and he and took he the just, entire round and every time instead of landing punches, Jordan. he slapped him. Yeah, he's like, and I took that personally. Uh, so... But yeah, now let's get into the main event, which, judging aside, let's just get into it. Uh, So one end, we got Holly Holm. Shout out. Holly Holm, man, the living legend, the preacher's Mm -hmm. daughter, legend in two sports, in boxing and in MMA. Um, Man, what what can be said about Holly? Holly, 40 years old, coming back after a really long layoff, dealing with a lot of health issues, COVID amongst a bunch of other things, Mm -hmm. uh, taking the longest layoff of her career being two years. 
Mm. Um, she's never had a layoff that long in any combat sport she's participated in. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, to, and to have it as late in the game as she had it, I think was something that was just really, really significant. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, shit happens, man. I mean, that's that's the game we plan. And right. on the other side, we have Kaitlyn Vajetta, who is, oh, well, you know what? No, let me go back to Holly Holm. Legend of two sports. Like Pee Wee Kirkland? In, I'm yeah, sorry. like Pee Wee Kirkland. Yeah, I was trying not to I'm say sorry. it. I was trying not to say it, so I'm glad you did. Um, <laughs> man, you know, been in the UFC since 2015. Uh, I would say one of the pioneers of the, of the women's division, definitely uh, one of the faces of the female bantamweight division. Um, I mean, she knocked out Ronda Rousey. Yeah, she was the she retired Ronda the first yeah, time. Say yeah. less. Um, been in the UFC, got her, you know, when came in there, did her thing after and it retired Ronda Rousey with a head kick after having a fucking like 38 fight boxing background. Right. And she went out there and kicked a girl to sleep. Right. So shout out to her for that. Um, you know, had a had a little bit of a roller coaster rides from that point, mm-hmm. but more than anything else, we always know Holly Holm is there to fight. Holly Holm is there to entertain. And Holly Holm is still, like I said, a legend and one of the greatest uh, fighters, regardless of gender, to ever enter into the UFC. Mm-hmm. On the other end, we have Kaylin Vejera, who is 30 years old, exactly 10 years, uh, her opponent's junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Brazilian. And, you know, man, she came to work i will say that um this is a person who you know has not been in the ufc very long uh but also well you know i'll take that back she's been in the ufc for a while she's been in 2016 yeah i mean it's a year the year after a year after holly got there but she hasn't had i'll say as long of a combat sports career that's more or less what i was getting at Right. As uh, Holly Holm. Holly Holm essentially has had two lifetimes. Yeah, Holly Holm is 40, but she's been fighting. She's like a teenager, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, just in terms of everything, this is she's done kickboxing, boxing and MMA and was successful in all of them. The female equivalent of Khabib, if you think about it. Yeah, damn near. Damn near. In terms of fighting years, man. She finished boxing with a record of 33, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we talking about? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing? And now you got over here in the UFC, 20 fights in. So, mm-hmm. and and again, was a world champion in boxing and a world champion in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, now, another side, you have Kaylin Vajera, who has kind of had so, a mixed bag of success since she's gotten into the UFC. And I mean that more or less because of... You know, you catch catch a loss at the right or wrong time, it can change everything. And right. that's kind of been the problem in her career. You know, when she came into the UFC, she came in getting like four straight, beating Kat Zingano in like a real close split decision back in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then the first fight she had after that, which was well over a year later, um, she was TKO'd, unfortunately, which was KO. And then... It was almost a year again before she came back. She picked up a win. And then it was about six six months or so later, she comes back, she gets a loss. Then she comes back and gets another win. So mm-hmm. it's been about 50-50 here lately. Mm-hmm. And coming into this, this was 
looking to be one of the biggest fights that she possibly could have had uh, within her career mm-hmm. uh, right now, especially coming off of the tale of fighting another living legend within uh, women's MMA, Misha Tate. Right. So this was a big deal for her, but she, you know, she's been on a tear, man. She's been like, kind of people have been looking at her like she might be one of the next big players within the, uh, the female bantamweight division. Right. So this was on one end, it was Holly Holm looking to get back, but also looking to prove that she deserves to still have a spot that she holds and Kayla Vieira trying to take her spot. Uh, TJ, why don't you let people know how it played out, man? The story of this fight was essentially Caitlin Vieta trying to play her game and Holly Holm saying, no. It's basically it. Like, you would think that Caitlin with her judo background, and actually, you could almost argue that the first round was somewhat of a sounding board for uh, Vieta to see if her judo game would work against the fence. And it almost did, right? There was a point, like, as soon as the fight starts, basically, Caitlin does a flurry, you know, uh, gets home into some type of clinch, and the story would be like, all right, I'm going to dominate from this clinch. This is my game. This is my wheelhouse. Uh, Holly Holm was like, dude, I'm from Jackson Wink. We do our homework, basically, right? And Holm switched it up on her, and basically was fighting for like the hooks, right? Underhook, overhook. And once uh, Catelyn found home to be in position, she was basically going to do, I guess you could call it somewhat in the family of the Uchimata, where she uses the inside leg to then force a trip and a takedown. And she almost got it, but couldn't keep home down. And then after that, home basically shut it down every single time. Now, once it's shut down, what does home do? She's using a lot of wrist control using a lot of hook control to keep Ketlin Vieta pinned to that fence. And now it's like, I'm a holdress, I'm a holdress. Oh, I feel like I'm losing control. Well, let me just let it go. And then pop, 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 dirty box, punch of shots to the head, let me regain control. And that was it, basically. It's like, other than that, it was, when is the next exchange going to occur that will take this fight back to the fence? It was a lot of fence work and just a lot of... Uh, Standing exchanges. Now, I will say home definitely looked a little bit slower than she normally would look like she was bouncing on her feet, but not like, you know, prime time Holly home, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, she was getting in terms of her head movement, she'd get caught by Vieta every now and then, too. But it's like there wasn't really anything that stunned home. And, you know, it was interesting, too, and somewhat ironic, like. I believe it was Dean Thomas who was making a comment about Holmes' age kind of showing, like, right as he made that comment, Holmes sat Vieta down on her butt with a sidekick. You know what I mean? So it's like, like right in the gut, folded her like some laundry. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, home isn't gone yet. She's still very much there. But one thing I did notice is there weren't that many head kicks coming out of home. But, you know, it could have been, too, that her training regimen for this fight was more along the lines of wrestling. Because you heard Izzy Martinez in her corner a lot more than you heard, like, I believe it was it Mike Winklejohn, you know, in terms of like the coaching. Although you did hear them like, you know, give her advice uh, in between rounds as well. But uh, speaking of corners, though, listen, Vieta's corner was not very happy. Andre Pedernerias, also known as oh Eddie, man, Andre that dude was in like crazy. But you could hear him like just screaming off the top of his lungs, like, work, come on. It's like, do you like this? You didn't come here to tour. Like you came here to win, like my yeah. dude was just after she came in. to go on tour, going in. Yeah, basically, like he was going in on her. But 
that might have been the pep talk she needed because in round five, it was almost a different fighter uh, showing up to fight Holly Holm because she was like big kicks, spinning elbows, letting everything go. She was trying to hit and hurt Holly Holm. And actually, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, take note of the, uh, for one, the guillotine attempt. Actually, I didn't even shouldn't say attempt. It was locked in. The guillotine that she got off of Holly Holm trying to shoot a single leg on her, I believe that was round two, right? And it looked like the game was over, but then Holly Holm was able to escape it, right? That was a significant thing. And then- Yeah, that was round two. Yeah, and then there was like another thing where um, Vieta did get a takedown on Holm, but Holly Holm was immediately like, all right, let me get to the fence, get back to my feet, and let's turn this into- what I'm known for in this fight currently, right? At the end of the day, uh, the fight ended. I personally believe that home put on a dominant performance, especially coming off of a two-year layoff. Um, I thought, especially at the end of the round five, that Ketlin Vieta was gassed out. Like, Ketlin had her moments in this fight, but it was really the home show. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. Um, but the judges awarded a split decision to Vieta. Uh, you hate to see it, but it's a fight game. Um, also, I mean, uh, let's also point out that before that, her coaches were being, I thought were being very, very honest with her about her performance and how her performance was as right. the fight was taking place. Right. Both letting her know whether she won around or lost it, and they definitely told her like you lost. Like entrepreneurs was going off on her. He definitely told her in that fifth round, like you are losing this fight. If yeah. you lose the, you are gonna lose this fight. You're and, losing. You're down right now. Like you got to stop her this round. And the judges were like, "What you mean?" And I don't know. Um, I'm not a judge, but the reason why this one kind of hurts a little bit is because, like, I mean, Holly Holm is 40, dude, and yeah. it doesn't matter the gender, like. Glover Teixeira is having a run right now, but even I'm just like, bro, he's only got so much time left, right? Like, mm-hmm. how you can't be taking significant impacts like that in your 40s, right? Like, I don't know. I'm just, and and you know, she's going to try to get another run at the title. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. I thought Home had it. The judges didn't think so. I think a lot of people thought Home had it, right? The judges mm-hmm. didn't think so, but yeah. What'd you think, bro? I thought Holly Holm had it more than anything else because of the cage control. Yeah. And I know that, like, numbers don't always tell the story. I mean, look, like, you can clearly look at the fight we talked about, like, what, like, two weeks ago mm-hmm. with uh, with Cheeto. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Numbers don't always tell the story, but, like, everything told the story here. Look, the only difference I felt was taking place during the time that they were fighting. Like the biggest difference I felt like I saw was that it seemed like she was doing more damage to Holly Holm when she would land certain strikes. And this isn't me saying all of her strikes. This isn't even me like downplaying any of the strikes that she did actually land. And in times that she did in fact, actually hurt Holly. But overall, I felt like in terms of effectiveness, she was never able to be as effective as I think she was trying to be. Right. And there's something to be said about a person that can just keep you pinned against the fence and right. beat you up. And she couldn't do anything about it. That's the thing. Like, you know, Jason Herzog was letting them work. Nothing could be done. Mm-hmm. 
The referee didn't get in there and break it up. If you wanted this girl to get off you, you had to get her off you. And I mean, look, even her coaches were telling the like, you have to just stop letting her keep you here because yeah. that's what you're doing. You're letting her keep you in place. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought for sure Holly was going to walk away with it. I thought it was definitely close. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and I could, I just, it's not one of those things where I thought it was close, but I could see it the other way. I thought it was a close fight, but I thought it was definitely Holly's fight to walk away with. Right. I, I felt like she did enough. She did enough to those, like, you know, the things that they say, like, oh, you know, crafty veteran shit. Like, she did enough of those things to mitigate the damage and mitigate, you know, just some of the stuff that was coming off of those attacks that she was throwing her way. And she's did a lot of stuff right in terms of just neutralizing her. The numbers tell the story. The Kate, I'm sorry, man, but ultimately you just can't have that. You can't have over eight minutes of control time. Right. And it's and like that she, not count. And she dropped her. Yeah. Like and she dropped, dropped her. her with a psychic. So I'm like, I don't know how anyway. They probably just didn't really give her that that drop because she uh it was like a kick to the body and she sat her down like on some off balance shit, but like still I, I counted it. Yeah. Um and at the end of the day, no court is more important than the court of public opinion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> sorry, but it's like, yeah, that was that was interesting. That it's the first time in a while that I felt like somebody got robbed, like for real, for real. Um mm-hmm. but hey, it's what it is. Uh, Holly, we're fans. Uh, just putting that out there. Like like Matt's been saying, legend in two games, man. Uh, yep. We're here for you. Whatever you decide to do, we, we, we'll we watch. You feel me? Yeah, um, man. I mean, I know she was talking about, like, the possibility of a boxing return and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's not necessarily off the table. It just it doesn't help when you're coming off that L, you know. Right. Um, but, again, you know, depending on if you saw the fight or what have you. And, I mean – I'm sure there are people out there that thought um, that thought thought it was the other way around. That thought Caitlin may have pulled it off. Um, that just isn't what I thought. That just wasn't my belief. Hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was an entertaining fight, but I just thought the winner was clear. I thought it was the first two tie, the first two rounds. I thought were pretty pretty closely contested, and then I thought everything after that was. You know, it was probably was coming up Holly. Like I said, it was like, are we comparing? It almost feels like we're at a point where it's like, are, okay, are we comparing moments in the fight to the totality of the fight? Right. Because even in that way, you know, I felt like there were more moments that I still would favor to Holly. And yeah, you know, I, I will say, I, I do feel in in her uh, as time has passed, you know, because time is still undefeated. Mm-hmm. She has slowed down. And again, mm-hmm. this is a person who has put, uh, you know, an extreme amount of time into combat sports and into this. So, like, you know, this is this is kind of par for the course. This is the shit that happens, man. This is what happens when you're in a fight game for a long time. You yeah. get beat the fuck up, you know. Yeah. And you know, to be to have been a world champion level boxer and uh, a world champion mixed martial artist and to have participated in kickboxing, you taking some bumps and bruises. There's no way around it. You didn't, if you didn't take bumps and bruises and shit along the way, then you didn't really do any of those things. It's just not possible. Right. Um, you know, I just, I just wish she would have got a chance to get that win. And this isn't me like, you know, I'm not riding the train or anything like, oh, you know, good on Caitlin. You know, at the end of the day, she only needed 
those judges to think that she won the fight so she could win. Right. Those are the people who the people who needed to believe she won. She convinced them. So good for her. Um, right. And I, hopefully this can turn into something good for her. You know, that's that's it's a good look for her as far as her resume is concerned. Get two legends on there. You get Holly and Misha. And there there's a very short list of people who have the two of them uh, in the win column on their record. You right. know what I'm saying? So right. good for her. Hopefully that can turn into something. I mean, ultimately it is. Um, it's almost like some double-edged sword shit. Cause like, you know, you want to see the right person win at least who you think was the right person to win. But um, I think in, this, in the same boat, this is a good thing really because it just creates more opportunity. It creates the possibility of more interesting fights in this division. And, you know, if it's going to push women's MMA forward and just create more interesting matchups, then why not? Right. You know, um, hopefully Holly can get something good behind this and you know this could turn into something more power to her more power to Caitlin and you know that's really all I got as far as everything's concerned on this one right and I mean that's that pretty much wraps us up now in terms of UFC events uh there will be no UFC fight night or pay-per-view next weekend they're taking Memorial Day weekend off but we should be back I believe the weekend of June 4th with hold on I believe it's going to be Volkov versus Rosenstruck Mm-hmm. And they're Struck. still putting that card together. Rosenstruck. Yeah. Uh So, yeah. Uh, stay tuned for that. If not, uh, Matt already mentioned he's going to be covering the co-main and main of Remind Us Again, Matt. We are doing uh, Javante Davis versus Ro- Ronaldo Romero. Mm-hmm. And I'm also doing Iris Landy Lara versus Gary O'Sullivan. Boom. So stay tuned for that next week. Other than that, as usual, uh thank you for your support right uh we appreciate mm-hmm. everything all the listens all the shares on whatever platform whether it be the podcast social media the youtube we appreciate it uh please keep sharing join us on discord if you have any comments you'd like to give us you can find the podcast pretty much on everything at now mind you pod one word uh, or look up at uh, now mind you podcast uh, you can find me on Instagram at tus 4 underscore skate. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E. And where can they find you, Matt? Find me at Matt Hambrick, M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. Yep. And again, thank you for everything. And, you know, by the time this drops, we'll be heading into Memorial Day. Well, not right into Memorial Day weekend, but the next time you hear us, right, Memorial Day weekend would have passed. So that being said, happy Memorial Day. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. And we will catch you on the next one, y'all. Peace. Peace out, y'all. Be safe. Yep.